listening to the Not Takes Fantasy Football Podcast. All right, and welcome everybody to episode five of the Not Takes Fantasy Football Podcast. And we're recording a special episode today because my co-host Dan is live in my recording studio. Live! In Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. What's going on, Dan? Nothing, Bob. How are you? Good, man. Nice to see you back in Pittsburgh. Uh, We had a very important dynasty draft that we discussed (laughs) last week on our episode four that we're going to get into. But uh, yeah, we had a good time in Pittsburgh this weekend. Yeah, it was nice to be in the hometown, going on some of the old haunts that we used to go to when we were... uh a little bit younger, and uh, to be able to participate in a dynasty draft that really kind of threw both of us for a loop after, I mean, the first couple picks were as expected, but then, uh, we talked about this before, the wild card kind of came into play here. Uh, We've got a wild card player in our usual league. Um, (laughs) This one really, I think, shocked everybody and really kind of, uh, I know, made one guy extremely happy because he didn't have to make any moves to get the exact players he wanted, so... Yeah, and I think we're going to revisit. So last week we talked about uh, trading our first-round pick for LaShawn McCoy, and we might as well get out there and discuss it. Um, you know, we talked a lot about LaShawn McCoy, and as everybody knows, he's in some possible legal situations. That's all still playing out. Um, it's not our space to comment on the legal side of it. We're just going to talk about the fantasy football side of it. Um, but we are going to revisit that and sort of talk over what we passed up in the draft by trading that pick for LaShawn McCoy. So um, we're going to go over that in just a short little bit. Uh, today's episode, we're going to go over blind resumes. This is a fun episode where I put together a bunch of stats on QBs, running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends from both the AFC and NFC and just gave last year's stats and we're going to see if Dan can guess the players and then after we guess the players I'm going to go over what their current uh, ADP is as far as draft capital this year and we'll maybe have a further discussion on does that change your outlook on that player against the other player uh, comparing against. And I know that you did something like this on Twitter uh, earlier this week and uh, I think it was interesting to see how people felt about it when it was like the anonymous player. There was no name attached, just seeing stats. Uh, and then after hearing who it is, I think a lot of people's opinions kind of flip-flopped as to, you know, do I still like that guy? So it just kind of goes to show you uh, there's there's some there's stats there, but there's also uh, some love and some affinity that you have for that player uh, that comes along with the name and kind of the reputation that they have in the league too. So I haven't done any research in this. I haven't looked up the stats. I have stats. I haven't cheated at all. I'm I'm kind of going in fresh just to kind of get live reactions. Yeah, so with that in mind, let's go over. I ended up doing two Twitter polls this week just to sort of sneak peek our blind resume and then go over uh, some dynasty questions. So let's go over the um, blind resume sneak peek to sort of give you guys a taste of what this episode is going to be like. So um, I put which AFC running back do you prefer based on last year's stats? And I revealed the players later this week. So running back one. Uh, 238 rushes for 888 yards and three touchdowns, 36 receptions for 237 yards and three touchdowns. Running back two was 212 rushes for 973 yards, six touchdowns, 23 receptions for 187 yards and no touchdowns. So very similar stats, ended up with same total, total touchdowns. Um, and the Twitter poll was 67% chose running back one. 
33% chose running back two, and running back one was Lamar Miller, and <laughs> running back two is Alex Collins. And Lamar Miller right now is going around the six round, six pick in a 10 team PPR draft based on uh, the fantasy football calculator. And Alex Collins is going near two rounds earlier at pick 409, fourth round, nine pick. Dan, what are your thoughts on those two players now that you know who's attached <laughs> to the stats? Uh, when you're reading the stats to me uh, without me knowing who the players were, right, right away my gut was RB1 uh, just because the stats look better and he's obviously touching the ball in more ways than just the handoff. Uh, he's involved in the receiving game. Uh, and then I found out that it's Lamar Miller, and I was like, "No way!" I, I mean, I would have never, uh, I would have never expected that's kind of who it was. Uh, I I would prefer Lamar Miller uh, just over Alex Collins, just because I think that Ravens backfield's a little bit of a question mark, and uh, we all know Joe Flacco, who everyone claims is an elite quarterback. Uh, Doubt it. Doesn't really doesn't really have much of a passing game there, so you're going to get more touches as Alex Collins. But that backfield last year, Bob, was a, a disaster. It was a nightmare. Yeah, it was a lot of Terrence West. I believe they thought Kenneth, Kenneth Dixon, and then it took injuries for Alex Collins to take over. And while he did a good job, yeah, that's just going to be a cluster. Um, it seems and, to me like it's a rotating backfield. Like they don't have that go-to guy, uh, and I think it's pretty clear in that Houston uh, team. Like Lamar Miller is is the running back. That's who it is. Uh, he's the man there. He's getting the ball. He's the first guy to the backfield. But Lamar Miller is also a little bit older, so has a bigger chance of uh, maybe some injuries or something like that. But I think we both like that Houston uh, Texans offense this year, especially with Deshaun Watson at the helm for the entire season. Yeah, and it's better draft capital for me. If I can get a middle of the sixth round and not have to feel like I'm reaching for Alex Collins in the fourth, I mean, that's going to come into play on my end as well. So that's just a little preview of what we're going to get into later with the blind resumes. But I also want to go over a question we posed after our Dynasty episode last week was, how do you attack a Dynasty football league? Do you take the long-term approach and hope rookies hit, or do you go for the win now and invest in proven veterans that may not have the long-term value? And 100% went with rookies with upside. <laughs> so pretty much... That's pretty much what our draft was yesterday. I mean, it was... People were throwing out names of players that I had never even heard before, um, but and, and I I don't know. In in terms of our trade, I'm still happy with it. I think that Lashawn McCoy put pushed us into the direction where we have a chance to actually win now. So I would rather try to win right now than feel like oh I'm still two years away, but at least I get to draft next year. I mean I, I don't I don't know. That's just the way that I think we run our team is. We want a chance to win and compete every single year, uh, but you know, those you could tell yesterday that there was a lot of research done on those guys who were getting picked in like the later, the later rounds, the third, fourth rounds. Yeah, I mean, if you're not trying to win, to me, it's almost like what are you trying to do with right. fantasy football? Right. Um, and I know dynasty can skew that view a little bit, um, but yeah, I mean, we want for the all-in uh, mentality. Uh, obviously, we need the legal system to play out, and that will affect our team. Um, but, I mean, we're right there in the top contenders if, if we can get that uh, cleared for LaShawn McCoy if he's found not guilty. I, well, I mean, he hasn't even been really charged with anything yet, so this is like at the very beginning of all of this. Um, but I think that if LaShawn McCoy can come out and play as good as he played last year, uh, that we're in a great spot. I mean, we are at a fantastic spot. Uh, but seeing kind of how that draft played out yesterday, I think there was a little bit regret um, for making the move. But 
you know, I, I, we're not going to sit here and just kind of dwell on it and, you know, say, I wish we didn't do it because there was no way we could have expected this draft going the way it did yesterday. Yeah, and there's no way we could tell that this story was going to break sure. three days after we made the trade. Sure. That's revisionist history, yeah. and I think a lot of people came at us, yeah. at us with that type of, uh, oh, look at this. I mean, if you could tell that's happening, then you've got a job as a psychic lined <laughs> up at that point. So Yeah, there's I – mean, it's just the way football is. It's whether it's injury or just kind of like other things that are going on in people's lives. I mean, these are real people uh, that with a lot of things going on outside of our, you know, imaginary football game that we've got uh, playing here. So I mean, there's no way you can expect that. And, you know, the other thing is, is that it's just like an injury. I mean, you can't expect anything. you got to go with your gut. And, uh, you know, I'm happy with the trade. I'm happy having LaShawn on the team. Uh, I can't believe kind of things fell the way they did in that draft yesterday because we could have got some pretty young running backs, quality running backs at the spot we had. But let's move forward. I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, so let me shout out a few people. I always like to give shout outs because we're still starting this thing from the ground up. So people that support us on Twitter and Instagram, I want to throw out their names and then we'll recap the uh, draft from yesterday before yeah. we get into blind resume. And a monster trade during that draft too. Yes, sir. <laughs> so want to shout out some comments on the uh, Dynasty poll. Uh, I know I got your name wrong last week, and thank you for correcting me. But Kawe, um, you responded with, "I agree that's a split, but I would lean rookie over veteran in many situations. Running back definitely more younger with a few veterans, but wide receiver is where I say it's more fifty-fifty with a mix of veteran and rookie." I agree with that. And we had Sean Cregan. What up, Oak? The successful dynasty manager doesn't fullheartedly commit to one <laughs> strategy or the other. He knows when to switch between the two. And, I mean, that's definitely an optimal owner point of view. Uh, Dan and I went a little bit heavier on veterans because we went with the win-now mentality. So it's just, you know, whether you're in that win-now mode or think you can win and extend the rookies out. We uh, are being referred to as the Raiders of our Dynasty League, though. Yeah. Seeing as we're getting all of these uh, older veteran-type players. But, I mean, if we talked about this yesterday. If you look at our roster, we don't have... Uh, a bunch of old-time players. I mean, we have young people. Brandon Cooks is still young. Tyreek Hill is still young. Uh, Christian McCafferty, second year in the league. Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry. Russell Wilson. Right. I mean, we have a young team, but we have, I feel like we have a, uh, we have some veterans on our team, but they're younger and they are established players in the league, which I feel more comfortable having. People who have actually played, uh, gone out there and put up stats on our team as opposed to drafting a bunch of unknown kind of rookies and seeing if they pan out well. Yeah, if A.J. Green's considered old, well, give me his old stats because yeah, no he kidding, produces right? when playing 16 games well over 1,000 in double-digit touchdowns, right. and we needed that bad. Yep. So, um, And last but not least, no days off Dynasty. He's somewhere in the middle. Enough proven talent that I can complete compete early, but also enough that they can carry me for the next four to five years. So you uh, just want to shout out a few more people. Thank you for... Um, joining in the Twitter discussion. I also want to shout out Anthony Servino at The Real NFL Guru. He's got a great podcast, the Fantasy Football Face-Off podcast, FF Face-Off. Um, give him a follow. Give them a listen. He was kind enough to give us a shout-out, uh, help spread the news, and, and rate our podcast. So we really appreciate that, Anthony. Uh, I know we're going to try and collaborate in the future with them. Gentleman at the Fantasy Football Life, we talked about him as a possible guest coming up for more best ball discussion. He's constantly getting our name out there, and we're trying to help him as well. So follow him at drafting underscore king. Uh, great work on his end where he does, discusses a lot about best ball and breaks it down in YouTube fashion as well. Uh, we already mentioned Kaowe. We really appreciate you've been one of the early adopters with supporting us on social media and checking things out. 
No Days Off Dynasty at NDO underscore Dynasty. Uh, great discussion this week after our Dynasty podcast. Uh, and then on Instagram, we had some great feedback with the Fantasy Football Pizzeria. Uh, gave us some feedback on the Dynasty episode and Eye for Talent Football. Uh, we had some great discussion when LaShawn McCoy stuff came out as well. So once again, we just want to shout out people that help support us because without support, we can't grow. So appreciate everybody giving us the chance and getting the news out there about what we're doing. It's so cool that there are just people that we've never met personally before who are kind of reaching out, giving us a hand. Uh, helping us through this process and I think that's one of the best things about doing this that I've had uh, kind of that we I've come across since we started doing this is just kind of how supportive the community is and how, how helpful everybody is so everyone's got trying to do their own thing but it feels like everyone's trying to help each other out so I think that's really great and thanks for all the help guys I appreciate it yeah so let's go ahead and give a quick review of the dynasty draft itself <laughs> I'm gonna go over the picks and you're going to see where things sort of changed, and we'll give our perspective because we didn't have a pick until the third round. So we were sort of outsiders looking in, Yep. Um, but we tried to make a move, and we'll go over how we got beat on that move. So number one, no surprise, Saquon Barkley. Number two is Darius Geis. Number three, and this one might have surprised Dan and I, was Ronald Jones. Mm-hmm. Number four, Royce Freeman. Five, Nick Chubb. That one right there. That one was shocking. Six, DJ Moore. So we're sitting here, and we still have Rashad Penny and Sony Michelle. So Rashad Penny won seventh overall. Um, based on the fantasy football uh, footballers, UDK, he was ranked number two in yep. rookie only, only yep. dynasty. Following at number eight was Sony Michelle. Number nine, Calvin Ridley, and ten, Carryon Johnson. So if you recall, we gave up the sixth overall pick to get LaShawn McCoy to sort of push our team over the top. Dan, in hindsight, what do you feel about that, knowing who went at, at the range we could have picked? I, I I will say, I mean, we talked about this just a couple minutes ago. Uh, there is a big part of me yesterday that wished we could have just grabbed Penny right there. I mean, I think uh, you and I are both big fans of him. We're big fans of the Seattle offense. Uh, we have Russell Wilson on our team. He kind of led us through uh, our, pay, our playoff push last year. And being able to grab that guy on that team to kind of reestablish our backfield, I think, would have been huge for us. Uh, but, you know, we were in the win-now mentality. So, you know, like you said, we're not going to sit around, you know, kind of regretting everything we've done. But, boy, it would have been nice to get Penny there at that sixth pick, wouldn't it? Yeah, so let's talk about what we tried to do. So we're sitting there in the eighth pick, and the gentleman who was picking there, Scott, um, really kept saying that, boy, I really need some wide receiver depth. Mm -hmm. So Dan and I sort of huddled together and said, why don't we just make a trade offer and sure. see if we can get in? Because we thought we could snag Michelle and then have a young running back that we could just sit him on the practice squad, yep. wait till he does something, yep. and bring him on. So, Dan, we'd offered Brandon Cooks and our next year's number two pick, second round pick, for Sony Michelle. And things got close, but do you want to go over the trade that ended up beating us out? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it, I felt like we we could have probably made that move. Uh, he was thinking about it. Uh, and then <laughs> this this trade came through. Uh, Scott received Sanquan Barkley and Darius Geis for Odell Beckham, Jarek McKinnon, Trey Burton, that number eight pick would ended up being Sony Michelle and a third round pick uh, in that same draft. Monster trade, Bob. That's a monster trade. 
Yeah, it's it's definitely a big trade, and we kept trying to angle that, you know, hey, you're not giving up anything. You're just giving up a draft pick to try and see if that would um, sort of bide us the ability to work him over in, right. the, in the trade and, and get him to buy in. Um, you know, he does come from Penn State. He's an alum, so yeah. I wonder if that played into getting. I think it had to. I mean, we talked about this before. Uh, I love having Antonio Brown on my team. Why do I love having him on my team? Because he's my favorite player on my favorite team, and having him on my fantasy football squad is just like that cherry on top. So if you get a chance to get the probably best running back to come out of college football in quite some time, coming from your alma mater, uh, to own him in a dynasty league and kind of watch him grow and kind of go on that journey together, that's huge. That's huge. I I feel like there was that emotional aspect to that trade because – I, I don't know if I was Scott, I would have done that just because of who I'm giving up. But yeah, I mean Odell Beckham's a foundational piece. Um, I don't really understand why people are concerned about him coming back because all the dude does is catch double-digit touchdowns right. every year. He's which a monster. Is, yeah, he's a fantasy monster. Yeah, and it, and it did end up leaving Scott a little thin at wide receiver. And I know we get to play him week one, so we we took a look, and it's. <laughs> Yeah. You know, so that's where I thought we were going to be able to angle in is, look, you're not giving up anything sure. except that draft pick. We'll give you a young wide receiver. And, you know, at that point, we're maybe starting Pierre Garçon, Pierre Garçon. Yep. Richard Matthews, which not optimal, but we felt As like... As your third option, you know, it's not bad. It's not bad. We, I think we both like Pierre Garçon this year in that 49ers offense. Man, but to give up uh, Odell Beckham for two of those guys, but... Hey, I mean, everyone's thinking Sanquan Barkley is going to come in and just kind of set the league on fire. Uh, he's obviously the number one guy on that Giants uh, offense in terms of the running game. Uh, so he's going to get touches right away. I mean, I think whenever we first did our first mock draft that we were both really kind of surprised to see a rookie going in the first five or six picks of those redraft leagues. Um, so he's there. I mean, the quality is there. The athleticism is there. The system's there. He's got a good quarterback, and he's got a good passing game. Uh, so, you know, it, it might end up being a great move in the long run in terms of getting probably five or six years out of him. And, again, if, if he's your favorite team, favorite player from your alma mater, I can't really fault the guy for doing that. Yeah, so, I mean, that's sort of the angle we played. Uh, we tried to get back into the first round. We didn't expect the draft to fall like that, so that's when we made the trade. We were looking at, we thought, maybe on Johnson. Yep. Uh, Royce Freeman maybe at the sixth pick, and we just didn't think that that was enough to turn down LaShawn McCoy for right. a one, maybe two-year run. Um, there but, was no way we thought Penny was getting to us. There is absolutely no way we thought he was falling that, falling that uh, far. I mean... I think what really kind of threw it in a uh, mix and kind of made everybody start rethinking their draft strategy is when Nick Chubb went number five. I, mean, yeah. I don't think anyone saw that coming. I think people were thinking uh, Nick Chubb's probably going to be available in the, even in the second round, uh, but that really kind of threw everybody off, I think. Like, that's kind of where the, the madness started, those big-time trades. And let me say one more thing about uh, this league. Uh, that draft was a blast yesterday. Uh, being able to be in that room with all those guys, and it's all guys that we grew up with, uh, guys we've been friends with since we were young, uh, and to be able to do all that live trading and the stuff like that, I mean, it was so fun. And the other thing is is that I really like uh, how the draft picks come into play in this league. There seems to be a lot of uh, those trades going on with picks involved and players and stuff like that. So it was a great time. It was a lot of fun. 
Yeah, so just to give you an idea of who we got, like I said, we only had a pick in the third and the fourth round. In the third round, we took Traquan Smith, wide receiver for New Orleans. I mean, at that point, um, you know, we were hoping that Hayden Hurst would come to us, and he got sniped about two or three picks in front of us. So we really were just looking for, I mean, what team are they playing for? Do they have a possibility of playing? Right. And you get to play with Drew Brees, so we thought, why not? Put him on sure. the practice squad and see if he gets to yep. play. And then for our last round pick, our fourth round pick, we took Deion Kane from the Indianapolis Colts, another wide receiver. Once again, just doing some research, looks like he could compete for that second, third behind uh, T.Y. Hilton. T.Y., thank you very much, Hilton. Yeah, and he could overtake Chester Rogers. So just really swing for the pick, uh, swing for the fences picks, and you know we'll see where they go. If they don't pan out, we get two years on the practice squad and see what happens from there. So. Yeah. So, yeah, once again, big shout-out to everybody in the Dynasty League. We had a blast yesterday, uh, especially Kramer Brothers. I know you guys do a lot of the organizing of the draft. Uh, once again, great job with everything, and uh, we look forward to getting into the league this year and seeing how our team goes. I just We just have to wait so long before the season starts now. I mean, we have a team. like we, It's built. I want to see it play, but, uh, you know, it's one of those things where you, you draft so early and now you just kind of have to sit and wait and be patient. But Yeah, because we still got five weeks to our League of Record drafts. So right. It's like, it feels like that's forever <laughs> from now, except, you know, uh, now we got to wait even longer for this Dynasty League. But um, so, yeah, that gives us a recap of all things Dynasty uh, that went on from our last discussion. And Dan, let's go ahead and get into the blind resumes. Let's do it. <laughs> resume. All right, so like we talked about earlier, I'm going to go ahead and read off quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, tight ends from both the AFC and NFC based on last year's stats alone. Going to give Dan a chance to chime in, see if he can guess the players, and then we'll just go over their draft capital this year and see what the thoughts are after you figure out who they are. All right, let's do it. Okay, so we're going to start with the AFC quarterback A. 385 attempts, or I'm sorry, 581 attempts, 385 completions for 4,577 yards, 32 touchdowns, 8 interceptions, 25 rushes for 28 rushing yards. Quarterback B, 575 attempts for 360 completions, 4,515 passing yards, 28 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. 18 rushes for negative two rushing yards. So true, <laughs> true pocket passer. So Dan, who do you think player A is? Once again, 4,577 passing yards, 32 touchdowns, eight interceptions. Hmm. AFC. I'm going to go. That's a lot of touchdowns. I want to say Big Ben. But I think that is there's not enough. There's the one thing that makes me know it's not him is that there's not enough interceptions there for it to be him. So I'm not sure who that is. That is possibly the greatest of all time, Mr. Tom Brady. No, oh well, that's what, I mean, man, that that's 32 passing touchdowns in a season. Wow. Now, who do you think player B is? 4,515 passing yards, 28 TDs, 10 interceptions. And negative two rushing yards. He's a big rusher. <laughs> negative Basically two. falls down. <laughs> oh, man. Hmm. Is that Big Ben? <laughs> <laughs> that is actually Philip Rivers. Really? Yeah. Um, so let me go over. Tom Brady at current ADP is 
Number 62, pick 10 in round 6, Philip Rivers. You can get his pick 114, 11th round, 9th pick overall in the 11th round. So what do you think about that, knowing that the stats are pretty similar? Yeah, those are shockingly close. I, man, it, it, it appears that I would probably rather have, uh, obviously, player A, just from the stats alone. Um, but if I feel like if you get Brady, you're getting him earlier in the draft. So you're you're paying for the Tom Brady name. You're drafting him in those earlier rounds because it's Tom Brady, one of the greatest players of all time, if not the best quarterback ever to play the game. Uh, but now if you see like the stats that Phillip Rivers is there, and I think Phillip Rivers is a great quarterback. I mean, he's got a lot of good players around him. I would probably feel comfortable waiting uh, to grab Phillip Rivers. Yeah, and I actually agree, and this is why I wanted to get people that were close, but the draft capital was maybe a, a sizable difference, yeah. because it really goes into what methodology are you looking at. I still think in the sixth round, you can get wide receivers and running backs mm-hmm. that can help your team, Yep. Um, and Phillip Rivers is putting up pretty much identical stats to Tom Brady comparing last year, and you can get him <laughs> five rounds later, Right. So, I mean... It's pretty insane, and I I know a lot of experts preach the weight on quarterbacks, and I think this illustrates that you can you afford to wait. You absolutely can wait on quarterbacks. And, I mean, if you look at the Chargers, Keenan Allen, as long as he stays healthy, is a monster. Um, you got Melvin Gordon, who's starting to assert himself more in the passing mm-hmm. game as well. They have hopes for Mike Williams. Um, obviously, Hunter Henry going down hurts. Yep, but, but now they're talking about Antonio Gates coming back. Yep. So, so I mean, he's a red zone target, absolutely. I don't know if he's going to be able to run up and down the field like the Antonio Gates of old, but uh, he's definitely a big red zone target. It's, I mean, you have like one of those weird things where everyone last year was saying Brady's kind of having another crazy, amazing season, and at the end of the year, the stats compared to Philip Rivers are pretty close. Just four more touchdowns than Philip. That's that's pretty wild. Yeah, and the interceptions were tight too. I, I think you would expect um, a wider gap, maybe. Yep. Um, yep. Because you know Tom's ultra efficient. He rarely throws interceptions, but uh, when Philip Rivers is dialed in, he doesn't really throw many as well. The other thing is, is that I think one of the things Philip Rivers can be kind of known for is untimely and just bad interceptions, but. To only throw ten interceptions over the entire season, man, that's uh, that is very interesting. <laughs> he obviously is not doing a lot through the uh, on the ground there, Bob, with that negative two rushing yards for yeah. the year. <laughs> Philip, we need you to become more of a rusher. At least get to zero yards this time. <laughs> and most of those twenty-five rushes for twenty-eight rushing yards, those are QB sneaks for touchdowns, aren't they? Yep, more than likely, Tommy touchdown. So okay, Dan, let's move on to the NFC quarterback. So. I'll tell you what, this time I'll just read player A, allow you the chance to guess, Yep. and then that way we're not repeating the stats. So player A, 265 completions on 440 attempts, a little under 3,300 passing yards, 33 touchdowns, 7 interceptions, nice rushing, 64 rushes for 299 rushing yards. So not very many passing yards, pretty efficient, and added that rushing component into it. So which NFC quarterback do you think uh, bears out that stat line? I guess Carson Wentz. Oh! And Dan is correct. That is Carson Wentz. Good job. So, yeah, we all know he went down uh, at the end of the year with a late-season injury. They're expecting him to come back and be healthy. Um, Obviously, uh, these injuries aren't as devastating as they were even five to ten years ago. Yeah. Um, But you look at that stat line, I mean, ultra-efficient. 
Um, that offense was out of control last year. And he's super young and adds that dimension. So if you play in four-point uh, touchdown leagues, uh, he's adding almost 300 yards rushing as yep. well. And I don't think he's going to slow that down. No, he's a good young quarterback. And uh, and I love doing this because all those pressures off, I got one right. So now I can kind of ease through <laughs> this. I was worried I was going to get no right. But, uh, man, just look at the touchdown total as compared to the guys we just talked about. He had one more touchdown than Tom Brady. Uh one less interception and significantly more rushing yards. So uh, I think Wentz is going to have a great year. I, I I expect him to have kind of just to carry on from where he was last year. Now, Dan, I brought it up in our episode two where we did the rankings review and Greg values. Um, his Greg. touchdown percentage rate is astronomically high. Would have been the third all time if he just retired right In the now. history of the NFL? In the history wow. of the NFL. Are there any concerns that uh, the efficiency is what drove his stat line last year? Because obviously he's throwing a lot of touchdowns with not as many pass attempts, um, and he's not throwing for very many yards in comparison. So do you have any concerns about that efficiency uh, dropping, affecting his overall uh, performance? No, not really. I mean, I, I think that he's going – I mean, he still has all those skill position players there. Uh, I mean – he, in, he has now a, a improved running game with JHI, who's going to have kind of the full season there. So, uh, no, I, I don't. I don't think that. I expect him to be as efficient as he was this season, uh, and for him to just kind of do the same thing. I, I don't. I'm not concerned that just because he's not throwing for a ton of yards, we both of us talk about what we want is touchdowns. So if he's getting me touchdowns, I'm fine with him not maybe getting those 400 yard passing games that we see out of Brady and Ben from time to time. Yeah, I'd say I'd feel comfortable booking him as long as he's healthy anywhere between 25 to 35 touchdowns every year. Yeah. I mean, 25 on the low end, too. If he has lower than that, then it was a bad year. But, I mean, he's big, he's mobile, he has a great arm, accurate, so I don't see any reason why he can't keep it up. Sure. Um, just some concern about the injury. Just always have to pay attention to that. But um, great job, Dan, on that one. So let's move on to player B. So this NFC quarterback 386 completions, 536 attempts for 4,334 passing yards, 23 touchdowns, 8 interceptions, not very many rushing yards, 33 rushes for 12 rushing yards, but he did rush in for two touchdowns. So uh, not a lot of touchdowns, but he didn't kill you in interceptions, went over 4,000 yards, added some touchdowns on the ground. Who do you think? Matt Ryan. <laughs> that is actually Drew Brees. Wow. Yeah. Um, the reason I put this one it's a in low is, touchdown total for Drew Brees, right? That's why I put it in. I was curious to see, um, you know, who you would guess because really everything was there: high attempts, high yards, but not very many touchdowns. And we saw Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram really show out in the running game, right? And I think they do want to run the ball a lot again. Um, I would have never uh, – Drew Brees was not even coming to my mind for that particular player because of how low the touchdown total is. Yeah. What do you think about this year? I mean, I don't expect him to throw for 23 touchdowns. I expect it to get to more to 27 to 28. Mm-hmm. Still expect her to be high attempts even though they're trying to run the ball more. When you have a stud like Michael Thomas – you can throw him the ball. And you, you can the throw ball. Alvin Kamara the ball out of the backfield. Right. Yep. Um, he showed that he can produce there. And with Mark Ingram not there for the first four games, I wonder if it leans a little more on Drew Brees mm-hmm. and he gets off to a hotter start this year. 
Yeah, I, I, I would. Man, I, I really thought because I think one of the things that Drew Brees is known for is those big time touchdowns. I mean, long ball touchdowns, things like that. Because you got Michael Thomas there, who's a great young wide receiver. I definitely uh, would have never guessed that to be him. Uh, and out of the two players, would I rather have player A or B? I'm, I'm probably going to go uh, from stats alone. I would prefer player A. And now finding out it's Carson Wentz, I absolutely still prefer player A. Yeah, so let's talk about the draft capital. So Carson Wentz is ranked number 65, and he's going right in the middle of the seventh round at pick five of the seventh round. Hmm. Drew Brees, you're getting a couple picks later. He's number 73, uh, second pick of the eighth round. So a little bit closer. Right. Um, but just wanted to see, you know, do people think Drew Brees is going to have a better year? I personally do. Um, Carson Wentz is obviously the younger player um, and has flashed his ultra-efficient numbers right. and high touchdown rates. So it's definitely a decision people are going to have to make because I think that's the spot probably in the draft where I might start considering getting into that end of seventh to mm -hmm. eighth round pick. Yeah. And you've got two great players sitting there as a possibility. I mean, I'd, I'm happy with either of those players, uh, Drew Brees or Carson Wentz, but if I'm you know, sitting there thinking about who I want to pick and I have to take a quarterback, I'm going Wentz over Breeze. Yeah. All right, so that covers our AFC and NFC quarterbacks. Once again, um, we're going to move on to running backs. So, Dan, I'm going to start with the AFC. And this one's interesting for us. I'm just going to leave it at that. Running back A, 180 rushes for 896 yards and six touchdowns, 32 receptions for 214 yards and three TDs. What player do you think those stat lines equate to? Man. Uh, AFC. Joe Mixon? <laughs> this player recently moved teams to Tennessee. That uh, stat line is for Mr. Dion, Dion Lewis. Lewis. Yeah, I mean, he had a... A pretty darn good year in New England. Um, I mean, he did play with Gillisley early, mm -hmm. and then Rex Burkhead was also mixing in yep. late. Uh, I know there is a very wide chasm on what people think. Sure. Uh, between him and Derrick Henry. Obviously, we're invested in Henry and think they're going to feed him the ball yep. heavily on the ground. Hope so. Um, After but, looking at these stats, I'm a little concerned. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so once again, Deion Lewis, 180 rushes for 896 yards, six TDs. Obviously, he can participate through the air with three uh, receptions for touchdowns. So, um, yeah, so it's going to be a really big divide. I know there are people that once we look into the draft capital after we go over player B, uh, might have a differing opinion. But um, to me, he, outside of last year, he's never proven to be healthy for an entire year. Yep, yep. So you've got to be really careful about that. So it's just something to keep in mind for all the Deion Lewis lovers out there. Uh, he I mean, he's going to be a part of the offense there for sure. I mean, they didn't bring him in just to kind of sit him on the bench and say, well, why don't you enjoy the view of Derrick Henry from our bench here, sir? Uh, that's not way, the way it's going to go. I mean, he's a change of pace back. Obviously, uh, that's a lot of receptions to get out of the backfield and a, lot, a nice number of receiving yards too. So uh, I think that really shows kind of how good of a dual threat running back Deion Lewis is. And I mean, this is great because I really I did not expect that to be Deion Lewis. That's interesting. Yeah, let's go to player B then. So player B, 176 rushes for 744 yards, five touchdowns, 11 receptions for 136 yards, and one touchdown. Who do you think that equates to? Mm. Mm. 
is that Joe Mixon? <laughs> <laughs> so Dan, that is that is actually Derrick Henry. Uh. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to bring in both Titans because, I mean, it has a bearing wow. on what we're doing this year, uh, at least in Dynasty. Um, I think what you saw at the end of the year is what I would expect from Derrick Henry when they finally unleashed him. Right. Um, obviously, that first-round playoff game uh, where he went off, I mean, he really showed over 100 yards. I think he had it's multiple big bruising, touchdowns. Big bruising back. Yeah, I think he's going to wear people down in the end of games. I expect Tennessee's offense to bounce back. I expect bigger things from Mariota. Um, and I expect him to hold, worst-case scenario, the first and second downs. And I think they will mix him in a little bit. As you can see, not very many receptions, but he's shown capable of catching the ball. And like I said, man, you just don't <laughs> know with Deion Lewis if he's going to stay healthy. And right. If he does get injured, if that does happen – Derrick Henry's gonna show exactly what kind of talent he has when the backfield's just his. Sure, I mean he was he was in the timeshare last year with Demarco Murray, who is now retired. Uh, How do you feel out. about that, Craig? Shout <laughs> out to Craig. Shout out Fishman. Uh, wow, that you really threw me for a loop on that one. That was great. Yeah, I, I liked. I think we both like Derrick Henry this year. I think he's finally getting a chance to be the lead back in that system. Uh, good young uh, uh, quarterback there in Mariota. Uh, he can. He's a very mobile quarterback too. So, uh, yeah. Wow. I did not expect that to be Derrick Henry. Yeah. So let's talk about <laughs> draft capital then, because obviously that's going to come into play. Derrick Henry is pick thirty-five, fourth round, fifth pick. Mm-hmm. Dion Lewis, number sixty-one, sixth round, eighth pick. So you're getting about a two-round difference. Right. Any feelings one way or the other on that? Well, I think that you want, like, if you're sitting there drafting the name that catches your eye is going to be Derrick Henry. Uh, you expect him to be the starter, so you're going to grab him before you want the change of pace back like uh, Dion Lewis. But uh, if I get now looking at this, uh, it would make me feel fine having Dion Lewis on my team and just maybe thinking using him as like a flex player or something like that, because you know he's going to touch the ball. And uh, to have, I mean, the Titans are in good shape of having these two guys at their backfield. I mean, look at those numbers combined on the same team. That'd be pretty good. Yeah, and I don't have a problem if I would start my draft wide receiver, wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Really looking at Derrick Henry as possibly my running back one if it came down to it. Yeah. Let's say I went back end and got Odell Beckham, Julio Jones, and Michael Thomas, A.J. Green. And maybe in the third round, I don't like what I'm seeing, and maybe I go Travis Kelsey. So that way... I would feel comfortable if Derrick Henry was my pick in the fourth round sure. of that draft yeah. capital. Um, I guess it's just really what you feel like you want to do with your team. Obviously, you can go in with the plan, but as you heard in our Dynasty discussion, <laughs> the yeah, draft that, can that change plan's everything. going to change quick. I mean, think about that, though. You're having a superstar stud at wide receiver uh, twice with the two picks that you just said, Odell Beckham and Julio. And then you're getting probably essentially Gronk 2.0 in Travis Kelsey. So having those two guys, they're going to kind of take your team over in terms of scoring your points. And then having Derrick Henry kind of as the lead back, it sounds like a good idea to me, especially with what we expect him to do this year. Yeah. So that covers our AFC running backs, Dan. Let's move to (laughs) NFC. Oh, wow. Both Titans. That was great. Yeah. I figured it it would mean something once we discussed the players. So, Okay. NFC player A. 117 rushes for 435 yards, two touchdowns. A monstrous 80 receptions for 651 yards and five touchdowns. What NFC running back do you think that equates to? Uh, Jarek McKinnon. 
That was actually uh, one of the guys we're very high on, especially on our dynasty team, Christian McCaffrey. Oh, lighting it on fire in PPR right. leagues. I mean, that type of production is great. Eighty receptions out of the backfield, and he was really catching fire at the end of the year. Too. Yeah, and I actually think that he can get around that every year. I actually like that they brought in C.J. Anderson. Because it doesn't feel like he has to dominate the workload. Obviously, it would have been great to have McCaffrey dominate the rushing. Mm-hmm. But as you can see based on these stat lines, he makes his bones throughout the yards uh, in the air. Yeah, for sure. And if you can get 80 receptions even in a half-point PPR, I mean, I'm taking that all day, every day, especially on Sundays, Monday nights, and even Thursday nights. <laughs> yeah, right. We had 80 receptions out of the backfield. That's a lot of balls out of the backfield to be caught. That's crazy. Yeah, and I mean, I think he can run. I mean, people seem to forget that he dominated everywhere at Stanford. Yeah, he was a, one of those guys who they were trying to just to get him the ball any way possible. Kickoff returns, punt returns. Uh, he just showed that he is a amazing, extraordinary athlete. Uh, and I agree with you, Bob. I think that having C.J. Anderson there, uh, C.J. Anderson is kind of the change of pace back now because he's one of the more plotting, you know, run between, between the tackles type running back. Uh, so... Yeah, you're right. I don't think they expect McCaffrey to do everything, but there's one thing obviously he does very well, and that's catch the ball out of the backfield. Yeah, and it looks like he put some time in to gain some uh, muscle mass too, so preparing to possibly take on a bigger rushing workload from everything I've been reading. So, I mean, 80 receptions, yeah, I'm never going to sneeze at that. So sure. Let's go to player B, running back B. 150 rushes for 570 yards, three touchdowns. 51 receptions for 421 yards two touchdowns so pretty similar in the fact that not very high rushing totals did participate more in the passing game who do you think that equates to is that Jarek mckinnon (laughs) (laughs) yeah so this is uh this is mr hype train himself i mean he's getting some massive love from a lot of experts. everybody loves him and Jarek mckinnon showed a ton once dalvin cook went down i personally picked him up on the waivers in our league of record and felt awesome. He was at sometimes my flex running back. Right. And, uh, I mean, I felt great with him. Something that concerned me, though, is towards the end of the season, even while he was producing, Latavius Murray was coming in and taking a fair amount of the work. Yeah, he was still getting a, a bunch of balls handed to him. So uh, I think now that he's in a system that they think that he is perfect for. So he's the ideal back for the system in San Francisco, according to all the experts. Uh, they expect him to now kind of be that huge, big-time lead back. But if you had the shot in Minnesota, I mean, he had the chance to do that in Minnesota. Dalvin Cook was down for the season. It was basically him and Latavius Murray. Uh, why didn't he do that then? Why wasn't he more of the kind of a stud running back that they wanted to be there? I mean, maybe the system's different. I get that. Um, but, I mean, if we're looking at both of these players, who would I rather have? Um, I'd rather have McCaffrey. Yeah, so let's go over the draft capital. So McCaffrey's going as pick 17. Remember, this is a PPR setting, 10 teams that we uh, pulled these ADP rankings from. Uh, Second round, back end, pick 7. McKinnon's only 5 picks later, number 22, third round, pick 2. So you're really investing similar capital. Right. To me, I just like how dynamic McCaffrey is. Um I do like where McKinnon went. Um, obviously, the head coach was from Atlanta and produced both Devonta Freeman and Tevin Coleman. Coleman. Yeah. Um, so there might be even room for Matt Breda 
to play in that backfield. Well, we hope so. Yeah. So, <laughs> Our dynasty team hopes so. Yeah, but, um, yeah, I'm with you, too. I just like Christian McCaffrey, and you're picking them right around the turn anyways, so you may even be able to snag both of them right. if you go wide receiver with your first pick, uh, depending on, you know, maybe A.B. and then right. your back end going McCaffrey. McCaffrey, and, yeah. And uh, McKinnon. I mean, I'd, I'd be... I'm not surprised that those guys are going in the second round. That's right where they should be going. Um, and, you know, if I'm sitting there and I'm debating who would I rather have, I would probably rather have McCaffrey because I think last year he, show, he showed what he can do. He showed what kind of type of player he can be. He showed that he can carry an offense. And, I mean, geez, look at it. I can't even – I can't keep coming back to this stat. 80 receptions out of the backfield. 80 that, receptions out of the backfield. That's that, Le'Veon Bell numbers, right. honestly. And Le'Veon Bell is a freak. Call us homers, I don't care. He's the best running back in football. Absolutely. And to get a uh, a version of that, uh, also with Cam Newton as his quarterback, uh, man, I would love. I, I'm excited that we've got McCaffrey on the team after seeing these, this stat line here. Yeah, big things expected from him moving forward. So that covers our running backs. Let's move to wide receivers. So, Dan, we'll start with AFC. Player A, 75 receptions, 1,183 yards, 7 touchdowns, also had 17 rushes for 59 yards. Who do you think that equates to? Hmm. AFC. Participates somewhat in the rushing, so might get those end arounds. Sure. I was going to say A.J. Green, but it's not him because of the rushing, and he never, never rushes the ball. Uh, A.B.? <laughs> That's Tyreek Hill. Really? That is Tyreek Hill. Had a big year last year. Obviously, big plays every time he touches the ball. He, man, he, he is so great on those long balls, isn't he? I mean, he could get a bubble screen and break it. That's yep. how fast this He's guy an ex- is. He is an exciting player to watch. Yeah, I mean, I really loved watching him. I had him in a couple leagues last year, so I was really zeroing in on what he would do. And the, the guy's a freak. I mean, he's hard to cover. Mm-hmm. I mean, to your point about A.B., I mean, some people are considering him a mini A.B. Yeah, yeah. Um, with his speed and ability to make cuts. Um, and with Mahomes, there's a possibility that he could even be featured more on those breakaway long balls. Yeah. Because uh, Mahomes has a very lethal big arm. So, And I mean, if he, he's, he's more kind of athletic than I mean Alex Smith is a great quarterback but I think you get a different type of player with Mahomes uh so I think we're kind of hoping that he turns into uh my favorite quarterback in this year's draft is Deshaun Watson we're hoping he can kind of do a Deshaun Watson impression over there in Kansas City yeah I mean so obviously it's going to hinge on uh second year quarterback to produce but I I like the possibility of getting even more deep balls because in the leagues we're in we do reward big plays um, so that could come into play for Tyreek Hill. Wide receiver B, same exact reception, 75, 75. for 1,078 yards, eight touchdowns. I'm going to guess A.J. Green on that one. Oh! Good job, Dan. <laughs> this is what I don't get. People seem to forget, even this was a down year for him. Yeah. Just how good he is. They had a hellacious schedule last year. The offense sort of fell apart. But if this is a down year... I can't wait to see what the up year sure. is again for him. I, I'm surprised that he doesn't have more touchdowns than this. Um, but I, I mean, I love AJ Green. I, I think he's one of those elite receivers who's shown year in and year out that he uh, can carry an offense. 
I think the one thing about Cincinnati last year is that they were also trying to figure out the running game a little bit. I think they didn't have a true bell cow. They weren't ready to hand the offense over to Mixon quite yet. Uh, this year they're doing that. Uh, this year Mixon's a clear-cut starter. They, last year they had uh, Giovanni Bernard, who's still there, but they also had Jeremy Hill there still. And they were Woof. kind of... They were kind of hoping Jeremy Hill still had something left in the tank, uh, but they gave up on him after a while and just handed it off to Mixon. So uh, now I think with a more established running game and a more experienced running game, uh, you'll really get the opportunity to see Andy Dalton throw the ball down the field, which he loves to do to our man A.J. Green. I think it would be great if Eifert would come back too because I think he helps uh, move coverage. I mean, they need to get something out of John Ross because A.J. was just getting shadowed by elite cornerbacks. And he still produced, so I, I think there's a big bounce back. And, I mean, you're bouncing back from 75 receptions, almost 1,100 yards, and eight touchdowns. Right. I don't know why this guy continues to get overlooked, but I'll gladly snag him. So let's go over the uh, ADP and pick capital for both players. Tyreek Hill's number 31, first pick of the fourth round. A.J. Green's going at the absolute end of the second round. What? Pick 20, 10th really? pick of the second round. I mean, eight. In years leading up to this, A.J. Green, I wouldn't have been surprised if he was even taken sometimes in the first round. Yeah. But at the very least, he's at the very beginning of that second round at the term because you can usually grab a great running back and then you're going to set your uh, receivers up after that. Uh, wow, I'm surprised that he's going that late. So could you imagine... It's a pleasant surprise because hopefully you have, <laughs> I could grab him there. But If you have the first pick this year in our 10-team league, sure. you could in theory take Le'Veon Bell or Todd Gurley and get A.J. Green. At the end, yeah, wow, that's that is a, and then get another player at the beginning of the third round. That is a, that's a great team. I mean, you're setting your stuff up with one of the obviously elite running backs and Le'Veon Bell, Gurley. Uh, even if you like Zeke, you could probably get Zeke there too. Uh, and then getting a chance to have AJ Green as your first receiver on your team, uh, that's that's crazy. That's yeah. awesome. So, um, and I and I would prefer AJ Green over Tyreek Hill. Uh, and there's probably a little bit of. Uh, kind of cachet with the name because of A.J. Green, because we know A.J. Green. Um, but, you know, again, we love him, so I would take A.J. Green. Absolutely. Yeah, I, that's a discount for me. So sure. I don't even consider draft capital. I actually think Tyreek Hill's fair where he's going as the first pick of the fourth round. Yeah. Especially, you want to watch Mahomes in the preseason. Obviously, he's not going to play a ton, but you want to see what he's doing mm-hmm. a little bit. Yep. That may sway things a little bit, but... Good God, A.J. Green is the 20th pick in a 10-team league. It's ridiculous. (laughs) I'll take that. Yeah, all day. So let's move on to NFC. So NFC uh, wide receivers, player A, 91 receptions for 1,276 yards, four touchdowns, one rush for 11 yards. So you get one extra point there for that rush. Dan, who do you think that equates to? So high amount of catches, high amount of yards, not very many touchdowns, though. I'm going to go Doug Baldwin. I thought I I had that one. This one is White Lightning, Adam Thielen, who really really? broke out. So let me go over a few things I like about Thielen. Um, As you can see, he was targeted heavily. Yeah. He produced in yards, produced in receptions, didn't produce in touchdowns, but still finished as a wide receiver one, depending on most league settings. Yep. So if he can keep up similar numbers and up his touchdowns, he can move into that middle elite tier of wide receivers, like after your, uh, you know, your Odell's, ABs. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. if he just ups those touchdowns, what do you think about Adam Thielen? 
I, I, I like him. I think he's like kind of like a almost like a Julian Edelman type guy. Obviously, he's going to catch a lot of balls over the middle. He's great after the catch. Uh, but th- there is a lot of mouths to feed in Minnesota now. So uh, Stephon Diggs kind of showed last year that he is a true number one type receiver. He makes those amazing acrobatic catches and stuff like that. Uh, and it feels like te- Thielen's doing kind of the the work over the middle. He's going to be getting those balls and trying to earn the uh, run- yards after the catch. Uh, I like Thielen, uh, but I would rather probably, if I'm going to have a Minnesota Vikings receiver, I prefer Diggs just because I feel like there's bigger touchdown potential there. Yeah, and he's going to cost less draft capital. We'll go over Thielen's draft position, but, I mean, this is two straight years. He flashed at the end of uh, two years ago and carried it over this year. The hope is Kirk Cousins is better than what Case Keenum gave. We'll see. Case Keenum wasn't bad, though. Yeah. I mean, obviously, look at this. Case Keenum was not bad. Uh, If Thielen, who's the – I know I I say he's the number two receiver there. Stephon Diggs is the number one. Uh, to be able to kind of get those type of numbers out of your second receiver on your team, uh, that's good. So, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how much better Kirk Cousins can be than Case Keenum because of how great Keenum played last year. So. Yeah, it's definitely something to keep in mind. There, are, Like Dan said, there are a lot of mouths to feed. Uh, does Stefan Diggs take that next step as well uh, and really show his elite potential? So let's go to wide receiver B. A heck of a lot of receptions. 104 receptions for 1,245 yards and five touchdowns. Who do you guess that is? I'm guessing Doug Baldwin. <laughs> <laughs> that is actually Michael Thomas for the really? New Saints. That, I guess that makes sense in light of kind of the Drew Brees stuff there because they're. I mean, if Drew Brees is not throwing as many touchdowns, it would make sense that maybe Michael Thomas isn't getting as many touchdown receptions. Um,. But, wow. I, I mean, you expect, uh, I mean, 104 receptions over a season. That's a monster total. That's a lot of catches. And I think his touchdowns are going up this year. I believe in his rookie year he had nine touchdowns. So I'd expect within that sweet spot of 6 to 10-ish, somewhere mm-hmm. in that range. And you've still got, I don't care how old he is, Drew Brees is one of the elite, ultra-efficient quarterbacks, yeah. and you're his number one. The, there has got to be a huge draft difference in these two players. I mean, they're, they're, you have to be able to, I mean, there's got to be several rounds separating where you get feeling from Thomas. It's interesting. Let's go over that. So I'll go over Thomas first because obviously he's getting drafted earlier. He's number 15, second round pick five. So right in right. the middle there. Yeah, that makes I, sense. I love him yep. as a wide receiver. Adam Thielen is 13 picks later. Number 28, wow. round three, pick eight. Wow. I, I think this is a clear kind of uh, indication of you're paying for the name. You know what I mean? Everybody knows Michael Thomas. Everybody knows what Michael Thomas can do. Uh, everyone expects him to have huge numbers. And I'm feeling, you know, I don't think, I mean, if you ask the average NFL fan, people who don't really watch players as much as maybe you and I do because of fantasy, I don't really know if there's going to be that many people who even know what Thielen is. But when you look at the stats, they are amazingly similar. I mean, there's a lot more catches coming from Thomas, but the touchdown totals are pretty much almost the same. One more for Thomas than one than for Thielen, uh, and Thielen actually has more yards, so that's pretty wild. Yeah, I expect Thomas to have a sizable increase in comparison in touchdowns this time uh, next year. Um, 
I think last year I got Thielen in the 11th round of our League of Record draft, so his draft capital skyrocketed. Man, that would have been a good keeper for you if uh, you didn't have such a good keeper already, Bob. Good old Zeke. So, um, <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, you're getting similar stat lines. Uh, I think consensus people would take Michael Thomas right, regardless absolutely. of draft capital. Sure. But it was interesting when I was looking. I'm like, wow, they were really that similar yeah. last year. And it's also nice to know that uh, even in those later rounds, which he was going in, what, the fifth round, is that you said? Thielen? Thielen, third round. Third round. Pick eight, so Pick back eight. into the third. Okay. Uh, I mean, it's nice to kind of see that there are still a lot of high-quality players right there. I mean, like you said, that strategy, uh, now if you want to go running back, running back, uh, for the first two rounds of your draft, there is a lot of good, high-quality receivers that are going to put up numbers for you. And that's the thing I'm noticing, you, too. Would you want of, Thielen as your number one, though? As like, my would true, you, number one, true number no. one? No. I'd better be getting two very elite running backs. You'd prefer Michael Thomas, obviously. Yeah. 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 And what I'm noticing, even when we did our mock draft, and you really have to know your league, but I feel like running backs are just drying up by the se- end of the second right. round. So right. You've got to go. If, if you want one of those guys who you can rely on, you have to go early for him. I mean, you have to go early. Yep. So... Let's move on to our last positional breakdown. We're going to go over the tight ends. Um, Dan, what do you think so far of the blind resumes? I'm enjoying it. I this think is great. This is great. I, I'm surprised that I even got one correct. But, uh, yeah, this is awesome. It, it's crazy to see kind of the stats that two players have and then hear the names uh, because, like I said, like there's obvious in most circumstances you're paying for the name and you're paying for the hope that they're going to go off and have the potential to have huge seasons. But when you kind of sit down and look at it, there's, uh, I mean, I would, if you asked me yesterday, do you think Michael Thomas and Adam Thielen had comparable stats based upon how they played last year? I would have said, no way. Thomas must have had a much better year. Uh, but the research shows that uh, they're pretty comparable. Yeah. So, yeah, let's move on to AFC tight ends. Player A, 69 receptions. 1,084 yards, 8 touchdowns. So a lot of touchdowns out of your tight end position there. Uh, I'm going Gronk. Yeah! That is correct. Rob Gronkowski. Love me some Gronk. I mean, it's pretty simple to say. He's the tight end one. Right. He produces high touchdowns every year. And he really has a chance. And and I know it's never affected it before in years. But without Edelman, he's going to probably even be more of a feature in the offense, which is <laughs> Is ridiculous. that possible? Which is ridiculous. Is it possible to, to feature Gronk more in that offense? Yeah. yeah, I mean, there's not really much else to say. He's great, he's a Hall of Famer, and he's dominant in the tight end position. So anything else you want to add to that player? Nope, I had him last year. Uh, I knew that any time he was on my team, I was guaranteed at least one touchdown, or I felt like I was going to get a touchdown. And... Uh, I love him as a fantasy player. I hate it when he plays the Steelers because we have zero answer for the man. Yeah, he um, he really scared me because if you remember back from, I believe it was episode one or two, we talked about just sort of our background. And we met in the playoffs last year in our league of record to go to the title game. AB went down early, and I thought, oh, this one's in the bag. <laughs> and Gronk absolutely went tore off. apart the Pittsburgh Steelers yep. defense. And in theory, you should have pulled it out. I mean, I, it took an injury, but... That's how dominant that man is, to your point, especially against the Steelers. Yeah. He's great. He's so fun to watch. You can tell he just loves it, loves playing out there. Uh, You know, he's on probably our least favorite team in the NFL, uh, only because they seem to have our number year in and year out. Um, But, I I mean, I know know exactly where Gronk is going in the draft. 
Uh, he went in usually the you know, I got him in the second round last year. Now he's going in a third in the third round every single time I'm doing a mock. Uh, so uh, and I I'm fine I'm fine taking him in the third round because I know what I'm getting. I mean he's going to have some injury concerns. He's going to miss a game here here or there, but he has a chance to win weeks for you mm-hmm. alone by himself. And I wouldn't mind having a beer with him. I think that'd be fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he seems like a fun dude for sure. All right, player B. 83 receptions, so whew, a lot of receptions from your tight end. 1,038 yards, eight touchdowns, two rushes for seven yards. So not much there, but added it in anyways. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go... Travis Kelsey. Dan is in Fuego on the tight ends. Well, there's only how many is there. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's it's like it's one of like maybe seven names it could be, but I put them in the end just in case you're struggling, so that would maybe <laughs> to pick me up. Yeah, kind of uh, give me a couple pats on the back. I appreciate that, Bob. But once again, I mean, he's one B, definitely number two, depending right. on how some people look at it. Catches a lot of balls, very involved in the offense. Um, once again, has to worry about does Mahomes affect him? Does Sammy Watkins coming in also take away any? Because they really didn't have a number two. I think it was Albert Wilson, maybe. Yeah. Does that affect him? But, I mean, the guy's been producing for, like, four straight years now. I mean. No, you're happy if you get Kelsey uh, on your uh, fantasy squad as your kind of your lead tight end there. Um, and I let me guess. Like, he's probably going in the fourth round? Close. So let's, let's go over that because their, their draft capital is actually very tight. So Gronk is pick 24 third round pick four so excellent i mean that's about as depressed of value you're going to get on him because there's many years where some people are saying i'll take him as the back end of sure. round one right <laughs> travis kelsey six picks later number 30 he is round three pick nine so very similar right almost in the fourth so you, you were pretty right so, on with so that. now you've kind of got gronk and kelsey going in like that same kind of same spot in the area uh, I think that if it if you're coming down to it, uh, if you're having to pick between the two, I probably I obviously love Gronk. Um, if he's not there, I'm fine getting Kelsey. I also think Kelsey hasn't really had like the injury bug that Gronk's had. Yep. Uh, Kelsey's shown that he's going to be able to play the full 16 game season and be uh, kind of a stud year week in and week out. So uh, I don't think they're I don't think personally I could ever take Kelsey over Gronk, but. If Kelsey falls to you, you're thrilled that you get him as a tight end for sure. Yeah, I don't have much more to add. I agree exactly with that sentiment. So let's move on to the NFC. Very similar players here. I mean, the stat lines are almost identical. Player A, NFC tight end, 57 receptions, 520 yards, 10 touchdowns. I'm going to guess Kyle Rudolph. <laughs> Jimmy Graham. Oh, I, that's that was going to be my other guess. Yep. That was going to be my other guess. So, yeah, this is the thing with Jimmy Graham now. He definitely was that red zone target last year, Bob. Yeah. I mean, whenever Rossi uh, was driving that bussy down to the uh, end zone, uh, it made more a stop at Graham not, Avenue. Yeah, Graham. <laughs> <laughs> he, was, he, he was a touchdown machine last year. And, wow, that's great. Yeah, I mean, uh, there are some concerns. Obviously, he's not the stat producer that he was in New Orleans. That injury, uh, I think first year in Seattle, really – think sucked out a lot of the athleticism but if i get double digit touchdowns i'll punt on the yards because i mean give me four catches for 38 yards and a touchdown out of a tight end 
Yeah, I'm the, thrilled. Uh, the other thing is, is that I think you can tell if you go back to those uh, AFC tight ends, uh, your Gronk and Kelsey are featured in that offense. Like those are guys that they're trying to get the ball to. Uh, as you can see here, uh, it's a little surprising. I, I thought Graham would be a little bit more featured in Seattle than he was. Uh, but again, maybe he took a couple steps back because of the injuries and the athleticism and stuff like that. But uh, to be able to get 10 touchdowns, touchdowns is what we're looking for. Touchdowns are our favorite stat. Uh, to get 10 touchdowns out of your uh, tight end is, uh, is a nice number for sure. And you got to like the fact that he went from Russell Wilson to Aaron Rodgers. Right. So, <laughs> I mean, you're not, you don't expect there to be any regression because of a uh, quarterback change or anything like that. Uh, I don't know if he's going to be able to stretch the field like he did in New Orleans. He could. I mean, there's a chance that he still has that in him, and maybe they just weren't using him um, like they used him in New Orleans up there in Seattle. But uh, you've got to be happy that he's not – he's going from one elite quarterback to another elite quarterback. Yeah. So that's nice. Possibly behind Tom Brady is maybe the greatest throw right? of football yep. of all time. So, I mean – like the uh, possibility of him being pretty much the same thing he was in Seattle is a worst-case scenario. I mean, the thing about Aaron Rodgers is is that not too long ago, people were taking Aaron Rodgers in the second round. Yeah. I mean, of a fantasy draft, a quarterback going that early is, is crazy, but that just shows you just kind of the monster numbers that people expect out of Aaron Rodgers. So, All right, let's go to tight end two. Last player on our blind resume, NFC tight end, 57 receptions, 532 yards, so pretty much the exact same uh, stats there, eight touchdowns. Who do you think that belongs to? Okay, that has to be, has to be Kyle Rudolph. Yeah! <laughs> that is true, Dolph. So, so, yeah, I mean, if you look at them, they're pretty much the same player. So you're banking on more touchdowns than anything. Right, but, I mean, in there is there a planet on which you would live that you would say, I would rather have Kyle Rudolph than Jimmy Graham? No, um, and especially... At the points in the draft, at that point, I'd probably just wait on a tight end sure. if I can't. If like Cal Rudolph's staring me in the sure. face and all the the elites are gone, um, he just doesn't excite me. I think he gets like big games here and there and then disappears. Right. He had one big year two years ago, but really this is the type of stat line, and it's more like four to five touchdowns. Yeah. Um, I know Kirk Cousins did help support Jordan Reed. Um, but I also think that he didn't have the same wide receivers he's going to play with in Minnesota. So that he had in Washington. Yeah. I, I agree with that. And the other thing is, is that I think we both would say that if Jordan Reed is healthy, that Jordan Reed's probably a better athlete in terms of uh, being able to do a little bit more with the ball, run after the catch and stuff like that, than uh, Kyle Rudolph. Kyle Rudolph reminds me more of uh, a player that uh, we used to love. Uh, from back to the Steelers, Heath Miller. Yep. He reminds me of Heath Miller. So uh, a guy who's going to get you touchdowns here and there, who has a chance to maybe get behind the linebacker and get into that second level. It's tough for a DB to bring down, but I mean, uh, he's not going to set the world on fire in terms of yardage or anything like that. You want him to be able to be a red zone target. That's what you're looking for, Kyle Rudolph. Yep. So let's talk about their draft capital. Jimmy Graham, number 52, first pick of the sixth round. Kyle Rudolph, 20 picks later, 72, first pick of the eighth round. You're even, I mean, I wouldn't even be surprised if somebody didn't even take Kyle Rudolph if he just is there on the waiver wire. So I think people will draft Jimmy Graham because it's Jimmy Graham. Uh, and for a couple of years back, he was you know pushing Gronk for uh, the best and most athletic tight end in the league. Uh, so I expect Jimmy Graham to be drafted. I, I would not be shocked to see Kyle Rudolph kind of 
be on the waiver wire. Yeah, especially in 10-team leagues, because he's not a player that personally excites me. Um, you know, I'd rather just wait till towards the end and take an upside type of tight end. Sure. And then you just play the waivers from there if he doesn't hit. What do you think about like maybe grabbing like Jordan Reed and then maybe having maybe Rudolph sit there waiting in the wings if Jordan Reed just get hurt? Yeah, that, hurt or something like that. I think that'd be a good player to pair with Jordan Reed. Sure, for because sure. at least you got the steady aspect of Kyle Rudolph. And if Jimmy, or I'm sorry, if uh, Jordan Reed hits, you could just drop Rudolph right. if he can stay healthy and produce. So the other thing is, is that you don't know if Jordan Reed's going to be playing every single week. Uh, there are times I remember last year where they're like, "He's playing, he's playing, he's playing." Wait, he's not. not. Playing. <laughs> he's not. His toe injury has uh, kind of gotten worse over the week. So now you have to sign up, kind of figure out what you're going to do and tr- try to grab somebody at the last minute. But uh, so I agree with you. I think it would be you want Jordan Reed on your team because he's a more exciting player. You expect him to kind of get the ball down the field a little bit more. Uh, but to have the kind of the uh, steadfast guy on your team like Kyle Rudolph who doesn't have a lot of injury risk doesn't have a lot of injury history uh you probably uh can kind of pair those two two together and hope Jordan Reed plays but when he doesn't at least you have somebody there winning the wigs who's a quality player yeah so that uh ties up our blind resume I thought that was a lot of fun yeah that was great man I think that's something we'll revisit again in the future um and you know we'll keep sort of posting that type of stuff out on twitter and instagram because i think it's just fun for people to sort of try and figure out who they are yeah, and maybe when sure. the name and the draft capital comes up yeah might change their mind a little bit i think that was definitely something that i got from doing this is that the name changes everything if you're dra- if you're going straight stats uh you're drafting players who probably you would be surprised drafting yep uh so i think that is that's my favorite thing about this is kind of seeing the just the kind of wild stats uh especially the i mean those uh nfc receivers that was pretty that was pretty wild yep so i think next week dan our our goal is we're gonna do a mock ppr draft yeah last time we did a half point ppr that sort of mirrored our league but i think what we want to do is do a full ppr i'd like to get 10 to 12 uh teams in it because what we're going to do here is and we're going to put this out on our social media and we'll recap that in just a moment is we're going to bring on some buddies of ours that have been supporting our podcast from the get-go and have them interact with it. I've also been talking to some of our other experts out on social media that have been interacting yeah. that we want them to join in. So we're going to get in touch with them. And we might just put it out there and see if just some random uh, fans of our, for a draft. Yeah, yeah. Of our social media. So keep a lookout on our social media. Uh, the draft would be next Sunday around 9.15 Eastern Standard Time, yep. 9.15 p.m., We'll have all that on our Twitter feed, um, but I think that's what we're going to go with as a PPR draft since we're getting very close to draft season. Yeah, you, you should have already been doing some draft prep at this point because you're coming up on uh, probably at least one of your drafts is here soon, so uh, this is a good way to kind of do some work and have a good time at the same time. Yep. So once again, uh, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at NotTakesFF. That's N-O-T-T-A-K-E-S-F-F, Twitter and Instagram. Feel free to email us if you have any feedback, questions, comments about anything we're doing uh, on the podcast. That's nottakesff at gmail.com. You can visit our homepage, anchor.fm slash nottakesff. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M slash nottakes. You can find everywhere our podcast is available. And right now, we're pretty much everywhere that you can find podcasts. So come check us out. Uh, if you are a follower on Anchor, you can actually feel free to leave us a voice message. Leave us any, messages. Any questions, feedbacks, comments, maybe ideas for future shows. 
and we can put your voicemail message on our podcast and react to it. Yeah. So, John Nolan, we're waiting for you, buddy. Come on, Johnny. Um, and if you listen to us on any platform, especially Apple Podcasts, please rate and review our podcast. Five-star ratings and reviews help promote our show and the search rankings, and we would really appreciate it. And, Dan, how about you give a shout-out to your brother again for our awesome uh, intro song. Yeah, Tom. Tom Benoit, my brother. Uh, great song, Alma. We were just listening to it as we are getting ready for the uh, podcast here. And we're like, wow, this song is really great. So, thanks, man. I appreciate it. It's a great song. Uh, uh, it, it sounds great. Love it. And Dan, safe travels back to your hometown. Glad you came into Pittsburgh, and we'll talk next week. Yeah, for thanks, the buddy. We should draft. do this again. This is great. Yep, we'll be doing another one when we come, when I come down to your hometown first weekend in August. Nice. So, guys, thanks again for listening. We really appreciate the support, and we'll see you next week. See ya. Later.